God damn it, really? Hey, everybody, welcome to I'm Okay, You're Okay. I'm not okay. You're not okay. With me, Bob Schneider, and your other host, Clint Wells. You're welcome. Here we are, another episode of I'm Okay, You're Okay. I'm not okay, you're not okay. We have some emails here you can write in. Clint at gmail.com. We'll read them on the show. With the added caveat of, if we fucking want to. Alan McCarthy writes in and says, the, the subject is, does Bob still have his Chewbacca costume? Also, how the hell did he perform in that thing at those random scab shows without passing out? I was sweating balls just being in the crowd. Alan. I don't know if I still have it. I think I do. I think I have it in a closet somewhere where I keep clothes that I don't wear anymore. Well, I've, I've never heard of this, so you, I'm guessing at some point you would don a Chewbacca costume and perform that way? I've never been a big Halloween guy. Like, normally, I'll just dress in regular clothes. For years, I had a joke where we would be playing Halloween, we'd all be wearing our regular clothes, and then I'd tell everybody that we were dressed up like characters in The Wire. That was the joke. And it's a pretty funny one. Yeah. Because the people in The Wire just wore regular clothes. Yeah. Anyways, I bought a Chewbacca outfit at some point, and I wore it at a couple shows. And yeah, it's hot as fuck. And uh, so, yeah, I, I stopped wearing that years ago. Amy Ording writes in, and the subject sim- simply says, Chicago. Hi, daddies. Are we still doing the daddies thing? This is a short and sweet note for Bob about his show in Chicago a couple of nights ago. It was the first live concert I've been to in a long, long time, and it truly just brought me back to life in so many ways. I was lucky enough to attend the concert with a longtime friend. We were reminiscing about the first Bob show we attended together over 20 years ago at the Park West in Chicago. I barely ever get to see her anymore, and it was touching to think about how Bob brings us back together time after time. It's like so much has changed over the past 20 years, but when we're together at your show, it's a symbol of a constant in our lives. I found it very comforting, especially after almost two years of complete disarray in the world. Anyhow, the show is fantastic. The crowd loved Bob as always. I heard several people comment on how funny he was, so I took that opportunity to recommend IOK for a bi-weekly taste of that sweet sauce. Plus, you get the additional flavor of the amazing Clint Wells, so it's like icing on the IOK cake. Looking forward to the next time Bob comes to town, and Clint, I hope you'll be on tour here too, because you've become one of my favorite people ever. Thank you both for sharing your talents and brightening our days. Yours always, Amy from Chicago. What a nice email. That was a nice email. Thank you, Amy. I've played Park West with you uh, maybe once or twice, but I doubt it was at the show that she was at with her buddy. Because I think the time I was there with you was maybe 2013 or 2014. And I regret to say I peed. I peed in the venue while you were playing. I had to pee and I couldn't find a bathroom. So I peed in the little hallway right by the exit door. Yeah. That's on the venue. Yeah, I blame the Dude, venue. If there if there's not a bathroom in the green room, I'm peeing in the green room. So if you want me to pee in a in if you want to pee in something besides a cup or a trash can, provide a fucking bathroom. I'm mean, here's what I'm not doing. Going in the audience and rubbing my dick against some other guy's dick right before the show. Right. I'll wait until after the show to rub my dick against another man's dick. Right. Well, that's a little thing called being professional. I'm not doing it before the show, dude. I'm, I want there to be, the, it's called the joy of surprise. Right. If I'm out there rubbing my dick against other dicks before the show, there's no surprise. 
It's like telling somebody right before they see Avengers Endgame that Iron Man dies. Don't do it. Right. Do it after after discuss his death and, and the poignancy of it. But don't do it before the show. Right. They didn't have a... In Chicago, guess what they didn't have? A pee-pee place. No bathroom. They had a bathroom in Chicago. You know, honestly, there probably was one like five feet away from where I was, but I was drinking and having fun and didn't they know de- what to do. <laughs> there's, de- there's definitely a bathroom backstage at Park West. <laughs> I remember sure. Conrad. It was like some song where you were playing acoustic. You were doing like Love is Everywhere or something. Who knows? So the whole band comes down, but I was the first off because I was stage right and I'd already, I was mid P. And I remember Conrad coming down and going, are you pissing right now? I was like, yeah, man, I can't. What, what are my options here, baby? And I think he was like, there's a bathroom right there, dude. Yeah. But those were... Those were ring-a-ding days. I played in Minneapolis, and they did not have a bathroom there. By the way, Minneapolis, guess what the police did there? They said, "Um, bye-bye. There's no police in downtown Minneapolis, dude. It's fucking sketch down there. It's always been kind of sketchy at night in downtown Minneapolis, but now, during the day, it's sketch. I wasn't aware of that. I didn't know. I I wasn't aware of that either. And I was just down there walking around during the day. And I had a couple interactions with some people where I was, I had this feeling where I was like, oh, this could go really sideways. And it didn't, thank goodness. Because, you know, your boy, I'm a meaty motherfucker. And I got a beard. And, you know. I'm weighing about 250 LBs right now, and I got a resting OG face that you don't want to fuck with. So I look, you know what I mean? I look like I'm not a complete pussy, even though I am. Well, what happened? I don't know. Just, I just, there was just, I had some dudes that, that came up to me that were kind of walking past that were talking to me. In a way where I was just like, I don't know what's going to happen here. And they just kept walking, thank God. But man, it was, it made me, I was like, what's, what is going on here? Where were you? Were you over by like the fine line and stuff? Yeah, downtown. I was at the, I played the Dakota. Yeah, yeah. And, um, which is right downtown. And, and, uh, and then I started walking around. I'm like, what's. And I was like, where are the police? And I was, I just I couldn't see any. And then I found out later that they somebody told me that they just decided like the police were like, yeah, we're not going to patrol downtown anymore because I think, you know, because that George Floyd thing, maybe I, who knows? Wow. I, I think they're just like, you know, I, who knows, man? Maybe it's like they're like, oh. You're going to fuck, you know, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's because of that George Floyd thing. I don't know. Well, we're playing, um, we're starting our next leg of our tour next week in St. Louis. Actually at a club, I, I thought it was going to be at the pageant, but it's actually at a place I've never heard of. Maybe you've heard of it. Um, Old Rock House. And I've heard of that. Someone actually wrote into my Metallica podcast because my co-host Ethan's in that band with me. And they're like, hey, we're gonna, coming to see you guys. Uh, that's not the best venue in town. Maybe you know that. Uh, and they were like, and just FYI, <laughs> they're like, lock your shit up tight that night. They're like, St. Louis, and these are people from St. Louis. They're just like, this is not a nice place for 
gear, you know? And uh, like, I've played this place with you, but I've played it with like maybe four other artists too called Off Broadway in St. Louis, where, you know, that's one of the few places, kind of like Hartford, Connecticut, where the promoter's like, if you're going to go walking, don't go, don't turn left, only turn right. And if you are going to go roaming, don't go far. You know, it's just like... What's that place we play in Cleveland, dude? That place is I just sketch. played it, dude. I literally just played it. I'll What's tell you it what called? it is. It's called the Beachland Ballroom. Beachland Ballroom, dude. When you walk out of Beachland Ballroom, there's a couple nice little places right next to it, like a little, some little... Boutique, yeah, exactly. Little, yeah, uh, sh- sh- you know, like a record shop and some shit. But then the next block over, bang, 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 yeah. bang. I didn't go anywhere. And you know what's crazy is they have the ballroom, which is where you and I, I've played with you. And then they have mm-hmm. the tavern, which is like a bar with a little stage that I've played with another artist where we weren't even playing the fucking ballroom, where it's just basically like local drunks who are annoyed oh. that you're making music. But Jesus. do you remember the green room? There's no bathroom or anything down there. It's hot as shit. It's like this big open room, yeah, but it yeah. opens into like a vintage store, like yeah. a vintage clothing store. Yeah, I like that little place. So it's pretty cool, but you're right. Like It's pretty cool, but you can't leave. I was you telling the other dudes there. who had never played there. It's funny too, it's like as we're coming in, because you know, there's an idea of Cleveland that Cleveland sucks. And so everyone in the van's like, you know, Cleveland's actually pretty cool, man. Like the Rock and Roll Hall, you know, and I was like, listen, man. You guys ever been in the Beachland Ballroom? They're like, no, nah, man. But Cleveland's pretty cool, man. Cleveland's Cleveland's doing this and that. I was like, go for a little stroll after sound check and let me know how cool you think Cleveland is. And I think one, I think our bass player did, and he's like, Cleveland's kind of a shit all over here. I'm like, yeah. Well, lots of times when you're playing small clubs like I do, you you see kind of the shittiest parts of the of the cities. Like, I in in San Francisco. Most of the time, I stay at a place called the Phoenix Hotel, which is right in the Tenderloin, which is a really shitty, druggy, people pooping on the street, people... (laughs) Hey, leave me out of it. People, like, living out in shopping carts. People, like... The big thing now there is is to get a wheelchair, and then it looks like you're, you're a, you know, you're physically impaired but but it's just a place for you now you can sit anywhere you go and they're not they're not actually there's nothing wrong with them but they're just in a wheelchair so it looks like they're cool yeah and they're not just uh camping out on the street and it's syringy and it's sketchy and it's why do they call it the tenderloin i don't know okay but but and then we played the Great American Music Hall, which is about three blocks away. And that three block walk in the day is sketchy as fucking at night. Forget about it. That's the Castro District, right? Where the Swedish American Music Hall is. Well, it, I th- I thought it was all in the Tenderloin, but maybe it goes from Tenderloin to the Castro. But the, I know the Phoenix is in the Tenderloin. Right. Either way, either way, it's so fucking sketchy, and everybody's like, "Oh, San Francisco's great." And I've never seen the part of San Francisco that's supposed to be great. Never seen it. I've been there uh, 25 times in the last 20 years. I've never seen a good part of San Francisco. Well, like Market Street or like over on the beaches by the water. Never been there. I'm with you. There, You can plop. That's the thing about rock bands playing clubs. You could plop us down really in any city. It's like we're not even necessarily ripping on San Francisco or Minneapolis or St. Louis or Cleveland. Well, again, it's like all, I mean, if you were to play a gig in on sixth street in Austin, you'd go, Oh, Austin sucks. Yeah. Cause sixth streets now, again, the, the police have, have like the police are, even though the police department's on sixth, it's on fifth street. 
I don't think they're patrolling downtown anymore. I think the Austin Police Department's like, look, we're not going to patrol. I don't know, man. This whole thing, I hate to get political, but this whole like def defund the police, don't call it defund the police. Can't come up with better names yeah, for reform. Nothing reform. Do, do something like defund. support support the police sure. by making their job easier or something like that. It's the police, like that's a shitty job that nobody wants to do. And it's a hard job. Now, there are some fucking murdering motherfuckers that are in the police that need to be, you know, fucking called out and jailed or whatever. But like also it's a shitty job that nobody wants to do. And it, when they stop doing it, shit's going to get real fucked. Yeah. I, I mean, I agree with you. The, I only, my only experience with sixth street for like 10 years was South by, which is this, you know, white people, as far as the eye can see and every club has a rock band in it. And most of my friends were there. I remember the first time I took Isbell, it was probably, we were doing like a new year's show with you or something. And I was like, you know what we should do tonight? We should just go hang out on 6th Street because I've been there you know, a million times. It's a fucking awesome place. But I had never seen non-South by Southwest 6th Street. And I remember it felt the exact same way, not to harp on San Francisco again, but we were staying in the hate, hate neighborhood, hate Ashbury. That mm. long strip that ends with Amoeba Records that butts up against the park. And I felt the same way on 6th Street. As the sun started going down, you could just feel it. Shit started getting weird. Yeah. And, and in San Francisco, because Haight-Ashbury, that street goes right up against the Golden Gate Park, people just came, the people who lived in the park just started coming out. It was like a horror movie. And I'm yeah. like, we need to get the fuck out of here quick. I can't tell you how many times I've done this walk in San Francisco where I'll just be walking along and everything's nice. Yeah. Like, it's real nice. Before you know it, you're on Elm Street. And then you, like, literally cross the street and there's a dude standing there with a syringe in his mouth. <laughs> And you're like, what just happened? And then you'll walk another block and everything's nice again. Yeah. And then you'll walk another block. And now you're like going through a gauntlet, like where there's like a gang and you're now walking through this gang and you're like, are they going to start knifing me? And you don't know. And then you walk another block and everything's nice again. It's such a weird thing. And how, how relieving is that feeling when like you find yourself on the other side of it and you're like, it's like you don't allow yourself to really feel the the potential of danger because you have to just survive it. And then you get through it and you're like, wow, that was really dangerous. What, what just happened? I've felt that way in LA too, in West Hollywood. I've been walking in West Hollywood and thinking like, well, this is the home of the gays and I love the gays and, you know, the troubadour and yay. And I'll go find some a nice little quaint gay little place to do laundry. And before you know it, man, you're like, am I going to make it out of this motherfucker? Yeah, dude. I'm, I'm telling you that one time I saw the dude with the the dude with the syringe and he was holding it like, you know, some people like put a rose in their mouth and hold a rose. Right. Yeah. Like by the stem. Like they're waiting for he, a date or they're a matador. He, like this yeah but it was a syringe yeah and he was just and he was just looking he was eyeing me the whole time like he was gonna pull it out and stab me with it so i would get aids it was such a weird feeling and i just n none of that happened but it in my brain all of it happens it all happens over and over 
even now I'm getting stabbed by that syringe and getting AIDS and it's been years. Right. It's a haunting uh, image. Are you going to go to a haunted house for Halloween? No, I don't, I don't roll with, I don't roll that way. Dude, those can't like, are pe- I know people are going to the haunted house here in Austin. Yeah. It's, people are going to be screaming their COVID screams in inside an indoor giant place with lots and lots of people going through it how safe i mean talk about no one cares no one cares dude i've I've just got off a three-week tour nobody cares i just got off a three-week tour in clubs no one gives a shit they were all well attended mask mandates everywhere no one gave a shit i mean no one cares everyone's over it everyone's just gonna every everyone who is going to have gotten the vaccine has gotten it so that right. the end period, everyone's made right. their decisions, and right. a, a few people will change their minds on that as people close to them or they themselves, their families die. But other than that, everyone's decided. So if you if you're jabbed and you're going to get the booster and you've did your time, I, I did my time. I stayed home for eighteen months. I looked down the barrel of nothing for eighteen months and somehow didn't kill myself. Well, it's because I've got a daughter. Uh, I got jabbed. I wore my mask. And now I'm ready to go out and work, and I don't give a shit. If you if you want to put your life in danger to come see a rock show, that's on you, homie. Because there's some people who are like, "Well, you're not putting your life in danger." No, not me. But I'm saying for for me to be on stage, you know, doing a ticketed event, I may be putting someone else's life in danger. But I mean, that's no, that's, that's what you're the not. left is saying. The left is saying, "Well, there's a responsibility for performers." because not everybody's gotten the vaccine and these are super spreader events. I'm like, man, I don't care anymore. If you can, you can not come or come if you want to come, if you want to take a test or if you want to wear a mask, I don't know, whatever I'm at the point now, I'm like, whatever you want to do as an individual to make sense of what we're living through, do it. But here's what I'm not going to do. Stay home. No fucking way. Uh, Dude, I'm, I'm 100% with you. That's the other thing too. That's so fucking weird to me is like, there are these, there are these sides. There's lines that have been drawn and then sides. And then you have to like, all your information has to come from one side. It can't come from both sides. Right. It can't come, can't be nuanced. It can't be half of this and part of that. And some of this, it's such a weird, like, come on people. Come on people. Let's fucking Quit this nonsense. So we're opening for this band called Lucero. So we play first, which means we're packed up and done. And then we got to, we got to, it's not bad. I, I hate to say it like this, but we got to basically wait around for them to get done because we're selling merch. But I don't mind it because I really like their their crew. I love hanging out with their tour manager and I love watching them play. But we were at the Beachland Ballroom. They're playing the ballroom. I'm going through the tavern just to get a drink, just to decompress. And it's our last night after three weeks. I want to go home. And a Lucero fan is at the bar. <clears throat> and through about a minute and a half of combo, it's pretty clear where we come at this whole thing differently about Trump, about the pandemic. He bought me a drink and we started talking about what you and I are talking about right now. I was saying exactly what you were saying. I was like, man, I'm just sick of it. I'm sick of everybody tribaling up. And just, I was like, it was just such a nice conversation where we, you could tell we would not agree on a ballot. But sitting there at that bar talking about how scared we were for our jobs, our families, appreciating live music again, appreciating all this again. And we just cheers and had a beer. And it's like, man, that's actually what it's like out there. 
if you believe the internet, if you're if your only barometer for what's real is Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, and you're letting you're letting these fucking demagogues destroy your friendships and your families, and they're laughing the whole time because we're pawns, then you're letting them win. And I'm just like, I'm done with it, man. I'm done with again, like, dude. I, I I agree with you. Everybody I talk to doesn't matter. Republican, Democrat, liberal, conservative, whatever it is, it's so rare that I come across somebody who doesn't want to have a discussion or or, or doesn't want to listen or doesn't want to talk. Again, I'm not talking to everybody. I'm not in the fucking, I don't know. But it's so rare that I, that I come across somebody who's absolutely unreasonable about whatever. They'll talk. Yeah. And so I agree with you. I think I, I think that most people are reasonable. Most people are nice. Uh, most people are considerate. And obviously, everybody gets their information uh, handpicked and uh, you know chosen by who they are and what they've looked at in the past and stuff. And so we're not going to have the same information. Uh, to make our choices, uh, to make our, you know, to to sculpt our opinions and stuff. But I'm always interested, anytime somebody comes at me with something that I find like, what? Anytime I'm like, what? I'm immediately, my first thing is, please tell me how you got, tell me how you got here. And they will. They'll tell me exactly how I read this, I saw this, and I'm like, send it to me. Send that to me. So I can look at it and I look at it and then I can go, oh, that's how you got this. That's how you came to this conclusion. And it really helps me understand people better and it and it allows me a different viewpoint. I grew up in, in Germany and when you're in Germany, you're surrounded by all these other countries. You're getting all this other information. You're not just getting one American viewpoint. So when I'm 20 years old and I come back into the States, I'm like, what is this? Everybody here has one sort of idea of what's going on. And it was so interesting to see how limited one idea is. But now it now there seems to be now there seems to be two. Yeah, we've <laughs> we've doubled. <laughs> we've doubled it. But but in Germany you also have it's a it's a smaller country. <clears throat> And everyone has a lot of national pride because it's not a melting pot. Germans have a lot of historically national pride to a, obviously to a, to a detrimental degree, but Japan has that too. Japan has a lot of national pride, a lot of like indigenous Island pride about who they are as a people. And so they can get on the same page really easily. America's not like that. We're a country of immigrants. We're real big. There's a, it's, it's just part of the Dude, double-edged sort the, of it. The, pe you know? the people, people in America are way more jingoistic and may, way more nationalistic than, than they are in Germany. Way more. Uh, I don't people, know. People in the States are, are dude, that go USA shit, they're way, way more into that than in Germany. In Germany, people are like, yeah, we're Germans. Here they're like USA, USA. Well, they weren't like, yeah, we're Germans, no big deal during the Holocaust. I mean, that was a lot of national pride on display there. That was like, let's make a super race shit. You know, 
that was like we're well, going to kill people uh, in USA. Yeah, you've got a lot of you got a lot of pro USA people. There's a lot of national pride here, but it's harder for everyone to get on the same page about what that means. People on the left who who are calling the January sixth uh, the insurrectionists or the whatever the coup or whatever they're calling them traitors. Those people who believe who believe that was good think they're patriots. You see what I'm saying? So we all think we're patriots. We all love America. I know, but the people that think that those people were patriots or traitors or whatever, the people that are really invested in that shit, the people that are really invested in that capital riot thing. I mean, here, dude, here, I don't watch the news. So I'm going to tell you my reaction to the capital riots. I'm, I do my walk every day and I'm on my walk and I'm talking to a friend of mine who all he does is watch the news and he's like, dude, they're fucking, they're rioting at the Capitol. I'm like, what, what's going on? And he's explaining to me, he's like, yeah, there's thousands of people and they've broken into the Capitol. I'm like, what? Like, what are they going to do? It's it was the stupidest thing I've ever heard of in my life. Like what are you what's the end game? You're all going to jail. The whole thing is being filmed. There's no part of it that's not being filmed. You're all going to jail. You're not going to like it's not like it's not like a game of flag that you play when you're playing you know uh the what's the game with the guns paintball where you get the flag and then now you're the winner. No. You're all going to go to jail. You're not taking over the country. There's no coup. Nothing's going to happen. Well, they didn't think that. Dude, What? even if you go in there and you hurt somebody or kill somebody, you're just a fucking bunch of drunk goons. But Nothing's they didn't going that. to happen. But they didn't believe that, obviously. Who, well, who cares? <laughs> I was... I'm I'm sitting in Austin going, my friend who was in fucking California, even farther away, was worried about. I'm like, what are you worried about? There's nothing to worry about here. These people are all going to jail. This is stupid to get wrapped up in it and, and like and pretend yeah, that it's that, not some grand okay, thing but is ridiculous. But that was a, that was a that was a bad example because you're fixated on it. What I'm saying is. It's not that easy for Americans to get behind one idea of what being a patriot means. Everyone kind of disagrees on it. So there's a fragmentation here that's unique, I think, to America because so many different kinds of people are here. Well, there, I just feel like people are being wound up, dude. I was sitting, I was sitting with uh, some people not long ago, about three or four weeks ago, and they were. It was breakfast, and there was I don't know about eight or nine people, and they were. I guess they in that morning's edition of the news which again i don't i don't watch the news because it just it gets me agitated and scared and they're like oh man the fucking uh the uh the people that the, you know where the election was stolen that thing's really ramping up and i heard that and i was like is it really ramping up or did somebody write that in an article so that you would click on it so that you, because if I heard that that's ramping up, I'm reading that article because I want to find out if that's really true because shit, that could fucking bring our whole country down. But I thought about it for a second and I was, I was, I was like, should I even bring up the, the idea that maybe it's not ramping up? 
maybe that idea that the election was stolen is an idea that kind of came and went and and I I didn't I was like I'm I'm not going to touch this subject with all these people who definitely believe yeah, that I mean, it's increasingly not worth it. That's a real scary thing. It's increasingly not worth it to have these conversations. And so I, I so I didn't, I didn't bring it up, but yeah. I, I do, I don't, I don't think that there's a lot of people going. I don't think most people think that that election was stolen. I think most people are like, yeah, that it was, it was a close, close election, and Biden won. It wasn't all that close. I, th- I think it's a more of a subversive idea. I think the idea is. I to mean, just it, plant. here's what here's what it wasn't. It wasn't sixty forty. It wasn't seventy thirty. It was what was it like forty nine fifty one or something? Or it wasn't much more than that. Well, as you know, it's not a popular vote thing. It's an electoral college thing. Well, Hillary had more millions of votes. So yeah, it was three hundred and six to two thirty two. I mean, that's significant. That's not all that close. If you're looking at the numbers of millions, Biden got eighty one million. Trump got seventy four million. Well. It was sixty three thirty four, so actually, it was what right. you said it wasn't. So yeah, it was. It was. Uh, it was. Uh, that's. But the idea that that's not as close as I thought. But the idea that it's not legitimate is a subversive idea that has a ripple effect through time because, right, it's going to affect how people perceive the fairness of the elections, and if people lose faith in that, then what? You know, what's the end game of people losing faith in that process? I know. But the thing is, you can, you can, it works both ways. Because if you, if you say that people believe that the election was rigged, it scares the shit out of the people on the left. And if you say that the election was rigged, it angers the people on the right. So everybody's getting worked up. Yeah. At the end of the day, everybody's angry. But I think like that guy that you talk, we're talking with at the bar in Cleveland, if you just sit down and have a chat with somebody, even if they're going to vote differently than you are, you'll find that you agree on most things. And there's a few things that you don't, that you disagree on and, and you're disagreeing on, you're not disagreeing on the things that you think you're going to disagree on yeah. either, and that, I, which is, which is very weird. And that's the thing to remember. I think anytime you are, arguing with someone on Facebook, or if you're writing a friend off or writing a family member off, I think anytime you do that, you're letting them win and I'm tired of it. And they want us to believe this idea that I don't think is true, that we don't have as much in common. And it's just some 1984 shit. So anyway, as we leave this episode, uh, keep in mind that when you do that, you're letting them win and fuck them. They don't, they don't have anything to do with how we interact with our family members or our neighbors. You can disagree with people you care about, and you can walk away from that without feeling like they're your enemy. All right. You know what to do. Support the show. We're on Patreon. You can leave a positive view on iTunes. Write in bobandclint at gmail.com. Let us know what you want us to talk about, and we'll do it if we want to. We'll see you in the secret weekly right now. Bye. Bye. <laughs>